I know you're excited. You're happy about this, as am I. If you know me, you know I love puns and I love corny jokes. So I have some ready for you. Are you ready? Okay, first one. What kind of music does a mountain like? Rock music. How do, whoa, <laughs> how do mountains stay warm in the winter? They put on their snow caps. Good job. Which mountain range is full of fruit trees? The Appalachians. Good job. Okay, these mountain jokes are awful, but at least they're not cliffhangers. There you go. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Okay, if you don't love puns, you're not living, my friends. Life is so hard. Let's just find things to be happy and laugh about. But thank you to those who, who laughed. I love you. You are my people. But seriously, this study has brought about some good conversations and things to ponder regarding mountains, hasn't it? So we're just going to go ahead and look at Matthew 17 today. Matthew 17 is a great chapter, if you want to turn to it with some wonderful insights. Here we see the transformative mountaintop experience of the transfiguration and how it can inspire and guide us in the valleys of real life. You've already read and went through the transfiguration in your study this week, so I'll just briefly touch on a few things. Verse one and two, Jesus revealed his divine glory to Peter, James, and John on a high mountain, offering a glimpse of the future hope that awaits. Verse 3, we see Moses and Elijah jump on the scene. Their presence now affirms Christ's identity. Moses was seen as the great lawgiver, and Elijah as the great guardian of the law. Their presence affirms that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah who came to fulfill the requirements of the law perfectly. And then with Elijah, Jesus' role as the ultimate spokesperson for God and the fulfillment of the prophetic promises. Prophets had to say things like, thus saith the Lord. Jesus now has the authority to say, thus saith I, or because I said so. <laughs> That's our Jesus. We see here that Jesus isn't just one more prophet like Moses and Elijah. Tim Keller puts it this way. He's not one way to get near God. He is the God that all prophets are trying to get near. And this realization for the disciples was huge. God's voice in verse 5 affirms his identity as his beloved son, and he commands the disciples to listen to him. We read that right before this, Jesus revealed he was going to die, and they were having a really hard time accepting this, understandably so. Verse 6, terrified by God's voice and the bright cloud that enveloped them, the disciples fell on their faces. Verse 7 and 8, Jesus compassionately reassures them, and they look up and see only him and all is back to normal. This idea of looking up and only seeing him is something we're gonna to return to. These verses from Matthew 17, one to eight, depict a powerful and transformative experience for the disciples, revealing Jesus's divine nature and reinforcing their hope for the future. It highlights the continuity of God's plan, his faithfulness throughout history, and the authority and love of Jesus. Ultimately, ultimately, these verses inspire us to listen to Jesus, trust in his promises, and find hope in his presence as we look forward to the future. But didn't this transfiguration seem like such a quick, short moment? It was like this sneak peek of what is to come, and then they just moved on. 
It gave the disciples this experience that they should give them strength to get to Jesus' death, resurrection, and then live for him. So that no matter what happens in the road ahead, this experience confirmed that it was worth it. N.T. Wright reminds us that the transfiguration was a moment when the curtain was pulled back and the disciples caught a glimpse of God's ultimate plan for the world. What a unique and personal experience with God. Have you ever had a uniquely personal experience with God? One that maybe at one time you thought that would change you forever, radically, perhaps a healing or a miracle of some kind. Some intimate and powerful experience with the Lord that you vowed you would never forget. Do you remember giving your life to God, crying out to him, and somehow in that moment he showed up and you knew that it was him and you believed? These would be considered mountaintop experiences with God. They're moments that we experience in a powerful and intimate way. But we don't live on the mountain, do we? We walk off that mountain and we return to normal life in the valley. Sometimes those mountaintop experiences can feel cut off and fade once we're off the mountain. Many of us have walked through our own mountaintop experiences. The mission field was one of the first places that I experienced my own. I remember going on a missions trip to North India back when I was like 22, 23 years old when I experienced God in some powerful and new ways. I witnessed a child who was demon-possessed be set free. I saw someone's left leg grow to the length of, its right, of their right leg then they could run for the first time. All amazing things that I saw God working and moving throughout the lives of the people there. And I remember coming home with this new vigor to live life differently and passionately. Yet, over time, somehow, I went back to things as usual. I forgot what it was like to trust God while on the missions field. Have you ever had an experience similar to that? Maybe we forgot what God spoke to us, to our hearts, when we approached the altar after that sermon. Or we forgot the promises we made to God in the midst of that mountaintop experience. But you see, God doesn't intend for us to live in a perpetual state of emotional highs when it comes to our faith. The disciples could not camp there on the mountain, no matter how much Peter wanted to. Today, people refer to mountaintop experiences or moments as those moments when we experience the power, love, and grace of God in a way that is difficult to capture with words. They give us a sense of God's presence in our lives and often change our perspective of who God is and who we are. Mountaintop moments are just that. They're moments. They didn't last for years. Some may have only lasted for mere seconds or minutes. God truly does reveal himself to us in different ways, some more intense than others. Some experience more calm, rational moments. Not, a mountain, not every mountaintop experience will drip with emotion. But God knows how each of us are wired and how we will think and how we will respond. So where one person might fall to their knees, weeping over an experience with God, another might simply acknowledge the fact that I've learned something new about my God. Both can be mountaintop experiences, moments when we see God in a new way. The term mountaintop experience comes from those moments in the Bible when God revealed himself to people on a mountain, like the testing of Abraham in Genesis 22, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, and what we just read this week in Matthew 17, the transfiguration of Jesus. 
With the transfiguration, we see this amazing mountaintop experience followed immediately with a valley experience of the disciples not being able to heal a demon-possessed boy. An extraordinary moment followed by something real and hard in real life. Just like how the disciples descended from the mountain, we often find ourselves back in the valley of life's challenges, doubts, and struggles. But here's where the mountaintop experience can bring hope and real renewal. In these mountaintop experiences, God will remind us of some truth about him and promises in a way that is truly impactful. However, as Tim Keller suggests, the true test lies in how we bring these experiences back to our daily existence and integrate them into our character and our actions. What's important is that we use this experience on the mountain to influence or change us in the valley. So how do we do this? I'd like us to consider four ways that we can bring the mountaintop experience into the valley. Number one, process or work through it. Number two, pen it and share it. Number three, intentionally see the valley through a new lens. And number four, revisit the experience regularly. So we'll look at all four of them. Number one, let's look at the first one, process or work through it. When something occurs in our life that has an emotional impact on us, we may find the need to process this event. Processing simply means that we take time to know what we think about it, feel about it, and then decide upon its meaning. Take time to think about it, feel about it, what we feel about it, and decide upon its meaning. And this is important. If we downplay or minimize what we've seen, heard, and done during those mountaintop experiences, then we won't know how to carry them with us into the valley. Those moments will disappear, unsure as to their place in our lives. So take time to process what happened. Number two, pen it and share it. Some people need to journal each moment immediately or while still on the mountain. Others need to share it with a close friend, a detailed description of all they've experienced. Like a dream, when we want to remember a good dream, we have to tell someone or we have to write it down because come a couple or half an hour later, you know it's completely gone. But still there are others that would just like to spend time contemplating it in the quiet of their own prayers. Maybe you were convicted about something in your life that you now know you need accountability for from a friend or a mentor. Maybe your mountaintop experience was giving your life to Christ for the first time. Tell a fellow Christian about your decision and ask for guidance. Maybe sharing the experience will give hope and comfort to someone else. Seek out godly wise women in your life to share these with because their input can be invaluable. When we allow the memory of what God revealed or did for us on the mountain to penetrate our hearts and minds, it will remind us of our purpose in the valley. Number three, intentionally see the valley through a new lens. Let the mountaintop experience shape how you view the world, people, and your hardships. This will help us better understand how that intense moment can fit into our everyday life. As C.S. Lewis once wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Let this experience change your perspective on everything and everyone. The transfiguration 
with its radiant glory, reminds us that even in the darkest valleys, the light of who Christ is shines brightly, illuminating the path, giving hope for our future. Number four, revisit the experience regularly. Mountaintop experiences are supposed to prepare us for the valley hardships. We should go back every now and then and revisit the memories, the journal entries, and the conversations. Our moments with God should not remain hidden in the past. If we can find a way to implant it into our present, we can, it will encourage us and motivate us to live changed. Pastor Tony Evans reminds us of this, and he says, God uses mountaintop experiences to prepare us for valley missions. The purpose of the transfiguration was to give greater understanding of who Christ is by revealing his divine nature, strengthen the the faith of the followers, and provide a glimpse of the future kingdom of God. If it did that for the disciples, friends, it can do that for us today. It changes us from within. The transfiguration can and will empower us to live lives in the valley, glorifying him with hope. A hope in this world that's parallel to the hope in the next. So we're not only living for today, nor are we only living for eternity. This hope is for today with him and eternity with him. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is our personal Lord and savior. He is all-powerful, yet so gentle and near when we are anxious and fearful. Like we read in Matthew 17, verse 7 and 8, But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. When they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Jesus, in his compassion, reassures the disciples and calms their fears. His touch signifies his presence, provides comfort, and reminds them of his love, protection, and the hope that he brings. I wanted to share a story with you. There was a couple who found out they were expecting their second child, a son. They dreamed of watching him grow, teaching him life lessons, and witnessing his achievements. Their expectations painted a picture of a bright future full of joy and shared experiences. However, life had a different plan in store for them. When their beloved son was about two and a half years old, he was diagnosed with autism. Fear shattered their dreams, hopes crumbled, and the life they envisioned had changed. In the midst of their despair, the mother questioned everything, including God. Doubt began to erode her faith, and hope seemed like a distant memory fading away. He had lost all speech and any way of communicating. It was like he was in the world all alone. One day, as her son was having one of his multiple daily meltdowns, that, by the way, could last anywhere from 30 minutes to 90 minutes of continual screaming, and at times hurting himself, causing her to have to restrain or hold him tightly until he calmed down. She sat there and began to weep aloud. How long would I do this? How long can I do this? She questioned God. For a long time, she found herself in survival mode. She could not see past the present day. After crying, she held her son tightly. As, she continued, as he continued to scream, she looked out the window, and the Holy Spirit lovingly reminded her of a song. She began to sing this old familiar song she sang as a child called The Heavenly Vision, or better known as Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It was a simple hymn that had been etched into her heart from her childhood days. 
As she sang the words, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, something extraordinary happened. In that moment, it was as if she saw a glimpse of Jesus' radiant face shining bright. The song's lyrics echoed in her soul, reminding her, as the song says, that in the light of his glory and grace, all things of earth will grow strangely dim. It was a divine encounter that touched the depths of her being. As she continued to sing it, the screams of her son started to fade as she stared into the face of her savior. This was her mountaintop experience. God met this mother in, the dark, in her darkest hour, and it gave her a glimmer of hope, a hope unlike any worldly notion of positivity or wishful thinking. It was the hope described in the Bible, the profound expectation and assurance of God's goodness, his plans, and the fulfillment of his promises. She realized that even though her dreams had taken, taken an unexpected turn, God had a purpose and a plan beyond her comprehension. With this newfound hope, the mother embarked on a journey of acceptance and understanding. She sought to learn about her son's unique gifts, embracing the beautiful intricacies of his mind. She discovered that the life they had envisioned might have changed, but its beauty remained intact. You see, the fact that Jesus is in his glorified state means one day she and her son will be. As the years unfolded, the mother witnessed the remarkable resilience and strength her son possessed. She saw him overcoming obstacles that seemed insurmountable, and she marveled at the love and the joy he brought to their lives. This couple's dreams may have been altered, but in that transformation, they found a deeper purpose. Their love for their son became an unwavering pillar of support, and their lives became a testimony of hope and trust in the face of adversity. Their story was not defined by shattered expectations, but by limitless possibilities that unfolded when they embraced their son's unique journey. Their hearts were filled with gratitude and their faith restored, anchored in the understanding that God's promises are more magnificent than their own. And so this couple, once desiring a son to fit their expectations, found that their greatest joy came from accepting him as he was, a precious gift from above. That mother would not go back and change their journey because that difficult journey and ongoing journey brought her real hope and nearness to her savior like nothing else did. That mother is me. I wanted to share this mountaintop experience with you. I still remember this moment whenever we experience regression, challenges, or fearful moments in this journey. Remembering what Jesus did for me in that moment was my mountaintop experience that I take with me every day into the valley. Would you allow him to enter your pain, your suffering? Would you turn your eyes upon Jesus today and accept the hope that he offers? He is the resurrected, glorified, and all-powerful God, yet he will stop and meet you in the middle of your fear, and he will touch you and remind you of his great, amazing love. Take time to remember that mountaintop experience. Or perhaps as you open your heart to him now, you will find he has one waiting for you. He is the son of God. He is our king. He is everything. You are not alone in this journey. Your glorified savior is with you in this life and he is preparing you for the next. And he will be with you. 
Fix your eyes on the beautiful, wonderful face of Jesus.